said that the church, not, not the church, but the church, it, it should be known for being supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. That, that, that which is um, natural and can be done should be done by those who are filled with supernatural. And, and we also should be doing the supernatural as if it's just common everyday stuff. Because I mean, you guys know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the miracles of the Bible are the miracles of today. And the kindness of the early church should be the kindness of the church today. Somebody say amen. Like we, we, we need to show people. How many guys know that the, oh boy, I have to say this right. The, the presentation of the gospel is always most effective after the demonstration of the gospel. Does that make sense? So it, it's important that the church have both a natural understanding of the world and a supernatural understanding of the kingdom to function in its role properly. Do you see that? So today we're going to do this. We've been putting together a lot of it seems almost natural things. We're talking about the brain, physiology, and all this stuff. And, and, I, and I hope that today becomes kind of like the moment that Mr. Miyagi throws a punch and Daniel-san, like, you know, paints the fence. And suddenly all this, you know, sand the floor, paint the fence, wax the car. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody else like, knows all the, the iconic American films, right? <clears throat> so today is a day that I hope to bring the last eight or nine weeks of teaching into a very practical usage of how do we do this. How many of you guys know that, that although it's practical, it doesn't mean it's not supernatural. The supernatural understanding, long before we had telescopes and microscopes and EEGs and all this stuff that understood how the brain worked, Scripture declared, inspired by the Holy Spirit, how we are to live. Understanding how that works now is science's job to say, hey, did you know? And we go, yeah, for about 2,000 years we've known. We didn't know how, we didn't know why, but we knew that when Scripture declared it, it was true, and as we stood on it, we saw the fruit of it. So we're going to talk about, uh, next week is back to school, the week after we're going to wrap this up. Today we're going to talk about kind of taking all these steps, all this sand the floor, wax the car, paint the fence, Mr. Miyagi moments. We're going to try to put them all together in a functioning framework for you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I'm excited about today. I feel like I've been like cutting carrots and like, you know, braising meat and getting stock put together. And now today we're going to make stew. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. So today is Karate Kid Day. Let's put it together. First, we talk about this. We are not pre-programmed slaves to our biology and anatomy. We are not. Please hear me. Up until 1979, the primary scientific conclusion, which was later proved completely false, was if you were born with a certain pedigree, a certain upbringing, a certain whatever, like, like a like a a, a Sheltie just wants to chase sheep. It doesn't know any better. It's in its biology. You can't train that out of it. It can be nothing but a Sheltie that chases sheep. That a pit bull can be nothing but a vicious fighting dog. I know pit bulls that are complete babies. I know pit bulls that crawl under the covers at the first sign of thunder because they're not big, brave, bad dogs. They're big babies. Why? Because they might have been bred for something, but they can be taught to be something else. So our brains, our physiology is, does not dictate our behavior. If your daddy was an addict or your grandpa was angry or your grandma cheated on your grandpa, that does not determine your future. That just tells you about your history. But Jesus is talking to you about your destiny. Your destiny is a choice. It's free will. I'm excited. Second thing, our minds are literally over our matter. Our mind tells our body what to do how we frame things, how we see things, how we digest things, whether we take a thought captive and make it obedient to Christ or we let it rule and reign and become our emotions and become our truth, they become our reality, they become our reactions. We don't have to be that way. We can literally stand upon things that are truer than what we're feeling in the moment. Oh, that's 
It's fun, right? And it creates the, the neuron paths in our brain. So the first time I think of thought, it might be form, but the hundredth time I think of thought, it's natural. It's what I do. It's who I am. Third week, we talked about the imperative of absolute truth. We talked about our amygdala and the joy of oxytocin. By the way, not the joy of oxycotton. Put that right in your notes. The joy of oxytocin. Oxytocin is the trust hormone. It's, it's a, a neural uh, stimulator. And when I see somebody, I know, hey, there's Pastor Kim. My brain goes, oxytocin. Hey, there's Pastor Kim's mean pit bull, adrenaline. My amygdala makes the decision whether or not I like what's coming my way, I trust what's coming my way, I'm, a, I'm in danger of what's coming my way. I see a bear, I don't go cute unless I'm in the zoo. If I'm in the woods, I go bear, same bear, but my amygdala will make a decision about whether I'm safe, whether I trust the environment I'm in, or whether I'm in danger. So we talked about the, the, the joy, the imperative, absolute truth. I don't know if you know this. This is an old saying, and we've kind of almost discredited it because it's, it's so old, it must not be true anymore. How many guys know some things are just true no matter how many times they've been said? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. How many guys know it's still amazing grace? When I sing that song, I'm so amazed by grace. I'll, I'll go so far as to say, when I sing my national anthem, nine times out of ten, there's a tear in my eye. Because God shed, you know, his, you know, and the sea, the shining sea. And I remember Francis Scott Key and being a cat and writing it as a prisoner of war. I, like, I, I, I just, and I'm from the military, so it's kind of honed into me. But I still have an emotional response. It's true every time I say, God bless America. You know what I mean when I say that? I mean, God bless America. I don't mean it's right. I mean, God bless it so that it can stand and have its day in the sun in my generation. But the old adage here says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. That's an old adage. I mean, guys know, when God said it and we believe it, that frames a brand new reality. God said it, I doubt it, then nothing's settled. God said it, I don't believe it, then form your own reality, be your own God, and see how that works for you. People are all upset about this. Why do they do that? See, listen, every road that doesn't lead to Jesus is a dead end, and people have to turn around and come back. Or they stay in the cul-de-sacs of life. They can go around in the cul-de-sac over and over again if they choose to, but I know this. But what if they go on this road? They go to, it's a dead end. Go down the road, because when you come back to the truth, you'll be more set on it as true. We get so upset when our teenagers or our young adults, like, but if they have questions, they have doubts. It's like they're supposed to have questions and doubts. They're, they're forming their own faith. But what if they'd never come back? Well, then they're just spinning around a cul-de-sac of lies. And we're, how many guys are believing for kids? Don't raise your hand because they're watching online. They're not here, but they're watching online, right? Listen, how many guys want, want, you know people that are of that generation, they just need to come back to Jesus. Let me tell you something. God's saying amen to your prayer. We're seeing people come back to the road. They abandoned it because they thought it was whatever. But the old adage, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, gives us protection, gives us provision, gives us a foundation, gives us a sword. If you don't trust the Word of God, if your amygdala doesn't go, well, that's the Word of God, that's different than the Word on social media. That's different than the newscast. That's different than science's opinion. Like when I see the Bible, part of me goes, I believe it. Well, can you prove it? I don't have to prove it. It's the Word of God. I've proven the Word of God for 30, 40, 50 years now. So I don't question it. Now, I don't have all the answers, but I know this, that when something doesn't align with my understanding, like why is this? And I don't wonder, you know, why can't you eat a baby goat boiled in its mother's milk other than it's cruel and gross? Why is that against the law? I don't understand it, but I don't need to understand it. I just need to obey it. How many of you guys know it's pretty easy for me to obey not eating a goat boiled in its mother's? Okay, all right. So third thing we talked about, fifth thing, whatever it was, taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. We talked about our MPA, 
our multiple perspective advantage where we get to, as if it were, stand outside of ourselves and say, you know, I want the brownie, but I don't want the brownie. We can confer with another person called me, and I can step outside, the front of my brain relaying to having, you know, the, the prefrontal cortex now talking to other parts of my brain, getting research. Now, the last time I was hungry and in a hurry, I got Taco Bell. This is what happened. Is that the same decision I should make? This, and, and I can actually have a conversation with myself about myself based on past history, based on Scripture. I can, I, I'm just getting so mad I'm going to hit that person. I go, wait a minute, am I going to hit him? Or, let me take a, a step back. Count to ten. All right, last time I hit somebody, they hit me back. That hurt. I didn't like that. Last time I said I didn't look like Jesus. Last time, okay, I'm, I'm still counting. I'm on 47, 48. Okay, okay. I forgive you. Though thou beest an idiot, I release thee. Onto US 23 to continue to drive, right? That's our MPA. We can step back from ourselves, see our own behavior, and make decisions about who we want to be when we grow up. We're not slaves to biology. <clears throat> we talked about cognitive dissonance versus continuity of narrative. Now, you guys are like, I don't know what you've been talking about for the last five minutes. Listen to all the sermons and catch up. Cognitive dissonance is when something happens that seems so contradictory to what we hoped was true. I prayed, but this didn't happen. Where was God in my childhood? Why didn't this? Where was he when? And all these tragedies and, and issues, and it's so hard. So how can I put absolute faith in a God that seems to have failed me repeatedly throughout my life? We use Joseph as an example. This man who has a God dream, shares it with his brothers, has a God dream, shares it with his brothers and his parents. His brothers kidnap him. He becomes a slave. His, his owner's wife has the hots for him. He says, no, no. She says, yes, yes. He runs for his life. He's imprisoned injustice after injustice after injustice. And then he gets forgotten by his fellow prisoners. He's injustice, unfair, forgotten. How many of you guys know that sooner or later you just kind of go, forget it? Why even try? Like, I've, I've been trying to do this thing right, and every time I do something right, it seems like something worse happens to me. Anybody ever? Don't raise your hand. But you know what I mean, Right? Why is it getting harder? And then his brothers come during a famine and say, please feed us. They don't recognize him. And he says this to them. He goes, I'm your brother Joseph. Now, how many of you guys know there's good days and there's bad days? His brothers are about to have a bad day. But then Joseph says this. It wasn't you who sold me into slavery. It wasn't you who made me a slave. It wasn't you. It wasn't Potiphar's wife. It wasn't Potiphar. It wasn't the prisoners. God sent me here to prevent great calamity from befalling the nation of Israel. I'm right hand to Pharaoh, and I will feed you, and I will care for you. Understand this, guys. What he did was he said, this isn't fair, that's not fair, that's not fair. But what's he doing? He said, that's not fair, but I trust God. And that's not fair, but I trust God. That's disappointing, but I trust God. That didn't turn out the way I went, but I trust God. But I prayed it, but I trust God. How come when I was a kid, that, but I trust God, I trust God? And eventually, that trust in God came to fruition where he said, I'm so glad I trusted God. That's the continuity of narrative. It's taking the disconnected, dislocated, dismembered, fractured pieces of our soul and saying, though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust him. When that kind of faith is engaged, we have continuity of narrative. In other words, what happened to, in my childhood or in Dina's childhood or in your childhood or your first marriage or your first business, or your, where you got devastated. Listen, God didn't cause evil to happen, but God is not, um, God can use anything for his glory. <laughs> Right? How many of you guys know that when you forgave somebody, you never look more like Jesus than when you forgave somebody who didn't deserve it? And you brought him glory on earth. Because of an injustice, God's justice was seen in your life, through your life. Romans 8, 28, right? God's able to take all things, all things, all things. What kind of things? What does the word all things mean in the Greek? 
Thank you. Yeah, I love that, right? All things, and, tur- and work them together for good. A mouthful of Crisco, a mouthful of flour, a mouthful of, uh, of salt, a mouthful of baking powder. They're all nasty. But when you mix them all together with some brown sugar and chocolate chips, what do you get? So what I'm telling you is this. God's taking the disconnected, broken piece of our life, and he's making cookies out of them. Cookies for the glory of God. How many guys know that should be like a website? Cookies for the glory of God. We talked about being transformed by the renewing of our minds through declarations of truth. We had such a great Thursday night last Thursday. It was so good. As we were, I, I listened to people preach sermons, I, and they didn't mean to, but they just did. Is it getting muggy and cold in here or warm in here? It's cold? You guys are cold? Snuggle with your husband. I'm warm. Dave, come here and snuggle with me, would you? That's, that's going to help me out a lot. So Romans 12, 2, we, literally we do microsurgery when we rethink things. It's called repentance. I saw it this way, but then I saw something superior to the way I lived. I changed my mind about it. When you change your mind, you change your brain. Understand this. Electricity, like water, is lazy. It takes the, the path of what? Least resistance. Your brains are electronically charged impulse. They, the, the neurons fire, the basal ganglia gather, the, the different parts of our brain are stimulated, and we make a decision. I'll have the chicken sandwich. You have no idea what happened in, in the microcomputer, the macrocomputer of, of your brain to make a decision about a chicken sandwich. It's crazy, right? So just hear me. When, when we decide we're going to have the chicken sandwich, the chicken sandwich, the chicken sandwich, all of a sudden it becomes natural to have the chicken sandwich, not the big fat mac. Yeah, I knew there wouldn't be an amen, but there we go. So this is what we're going to do, guys. Remember the show, Bus Driver, Move That Bus. In the next 28 days, we're going to take the Jones family, the Smith family, the Brown family, and they've got all the stuff, and there's hardship and tragedy. They, we're gonna, but we're going to take their house that looks nothing like them, doesn't function for them, actually works against them. There's 17 children and one bathroom. No wonder the lawn is brown, right? There's... there's You ever watch the show? What are all those brown people? They have a dog. They don't have a dog. They got boys. Right? Today we're going to do something like that. We're going to do extreme brain makeover. Bring all the pieces together. Tearing down the neural pathways of bad thoughts, habits, and behaviors and building new ones in the next 28 days. By the way, a week from, two weeks from the day, next week is Educator Sunday and back to school. But two weeks from the day, we're going to come back not tearing down that which is bad, but building up that which is great. You guys are champions, man. There is so much that God has put inside of you. We're going to start focusing on what God created you to do and to be in a positive way versus always tearing down those things that we're not supposed to be. So I'm going to give you four steps today. Everybody say four steps. This is where you start taking notes. What time is it? Good. I got 15 minutes to go through four points. How many guys believe I can do it? See, you weren't trained to do that. That's faith. I like that. I like that. Number one, if you're going to change from negative to positive, from not Jesus to Jesus, from flesh to spirit, number one thing is this. Identify the behavior, the habit, the thought that God wants you to change. Be as specific as you can be and as public as is prudent. I'm not going to stand up here publicly and declare to you my sin. I, I often, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, right? But what I'm dealing with, I'm really wrestling with something, and I want accountability. I want the next level of accountability. James chapter 5, verse 17 talks about confessing our sins one to another, not publicly, but one to another. So you sitting down with somebody you trust, say, listen, I'm really wrestling with this in my life, and I, I, I really want you to pray for me. I really want you to pray with me. I want you to have your radar on so when you hear something that might help me in that endeavor, I want you to come back to me with that to help me in that endeavor. But we become, uh, we identify the behavior that God wants to change, the thought, the pattern, whatever it is. Be as specific as you can and be as, as public as prudent. I would say this. Please, please, please. You need to hate the stuff that doesn't look like Jesus in your life. 
two commands and one yep. Let me try that again. If we love the things that Jesus hates, we're, we're wasting our time. There, there is a part of you that has to see the behavior. Now, let me say this. Sooner or later, we all hate sin because of the consequence of it. Let's, let's work on sooner because, because sometimes later has no other chance to recover. And I'm just simply saying this. If you love sin, any specific sin, any specific behavior, any specific habit, this is not me saying quit smoking and quit chewing and quit running with girls that do. I'm saying all of that, but I'm saying none of that. I'm talking about the behaviors. Like when something comes up in my life that doesn't look like Jesus, I, I'm, I, it hurts me. It hurts the people around me. I'm embarrassed about it. I'm ashamed of it. That pain drives me to his kindness, and his kindness leads me to repentance, a change of heart, a change of thought, a change of pattern. So the first thing we're going to do is we have to identify it. You can't change what you can't name. If it doesn't have a name, if it doesn't have an identity, I just don't want to be angry anymore. A little vague. You're kind of the guy that, what do you want to do for a living, Billy? He goes, I want to be a millionaire. A little vague. What do you want to be, Billy? I don't want to be poor. A little vague. What do you want to be, Jimmy? I don't want to be angry anymore. It doesn't help. We have to identify the specific triggers, behaviors, and this might take time, but if you open your eyes to say, what is it in me that Jesus wants to change? I promise you by the end of the day, Jesus will show you something. <laughs> and if you don't have children, <laughs> step two, you have to agree with God that his plans for your life require this to go. Because something better is coming. Understand, when God wants to move us out of Egypt, he doesn't say go to the wilderness and wander around. He says there's a promised land. You can't get there if you choose to stay here. How many guys know that out of always has within it the, the context of into? Out of darkness, into, right? Out of death, into life. Out of Egypt, into the promised land. So that, that understanding that, yep, this is not from the Lord. This is not a behavior, a habit, a pattern that is glorifying to God. God wants us to change. I repent of it. Part of that repentance process is not saying bad, 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 bad. It's saying, what does God want to get rid of so he can bring me something else? God has something better for you. You've got to know that God has a better way for you to live, a better way for you to think, a better way for you to grow, or you won't move into this. <clears throat> You've got to know the absolute truth about what God wants for you. No doubts, no fears, and here's the last one, no apathy. Write it down, big letters, no apathy. You know, one of these days, you know why a lot of things don't happen? Because we've convinced ourselves we have a lot of tomorrows. And I would just say this, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to seek the Lord while I may be found. Today is the day to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out. Today. Yeah, but one of these after this, how many of you guys know that like when life gets back to normal is a lie we tell ourselves? The only thing that is normal in our lives, there's a setting on your dryer. It's called normal. And you hit that. But everything else, how many of you guys know the last year and a half have not been normal? But if I hear the word unprecedented one more time, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> if I heard the word pivot one more time, I'm going to pivot, you know? Listen, listen to this. A loved sin will never leave. It got to hate it. But understand this, a hated sin generally comes and goes. So how do we stay out of it? A love truth will stay forever and displace the hated sins. You got you to know the truth. Not just know the lie and hate it. You got to know the truth because the truth will do what in your life? It'll set you free. It'll keep you free. Third thing is this. 
Take the untrue thought captive using your MPA, your multiple perspective advantage. This is going to cause the neuron paths of old thoughts to be challenged and eventually abandoned, dismantled, and those protein links, those protein chains will be reused in your brain to form a new connection from the front of your brain to the habits, the patterns, the neural pathways of your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, <coughs> verse 5 talks about we demolish arguments and every pretension that raises itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought, what? And what do we do with it? Once it's captive, we make it what? Obedient to Christ. This thought is not allowed to proceed beyond my MPA. In other words, I'm getting ready to, no, count to 10, count to 10. Okay, is that what Jesus wants? Okay, I'm going to be obedient to Jesus' thought. You're dismissed. My new habit is to forgive those who cut me off in traffic. So instead of saying you're number one, I'd say you're number five. God bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. And may you get your, you know, DeSoto out of my way in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? So we take the thought captive. We make it obedient. And finally, step four, we think deeply about, we meditate upon, we declare God's truth over our minds concerning the loved, new thoughts, behaviors, and benefits for 10 to 15 minutes daily for 28 days. Um, Piano guy, girl, I forget who it was today. Is it you, Rob? Do you get, does it offend you when I call you piano girl? <laughs> Say no. Preacher woman, it wouldn't bother me at all. Thank you. Yeah. At least I'm a woman. Quote it out of context, that was a weird moment, so make sure when you quote it, it's not some mean, at least I'm a woman, like that, that would be a, a bad thing. So do this right now, would you? This might be hard for some of you because it's warm. Is it warm in here? It's warm in here, isn't it? How many of you guys are comfortable? See, that's too warm. That's too warm. People fall asleep when they're comfortable. They stay awake when they're going through hypothermia. Are you with me? It's 90 degrees outside. I brought a blanket to church. Welcome to Freedom Center. So glad. So glad you're here. <laughs> all right, we're going to do this together. Close your eyes. All over this room, music's going to play in just a second. This is what I want you to do. We're, we're going to play with it just a little bit here. Uh, and again, we're, this is not a natural psychological exercise. This is a supernatural guided exercise. I pray in the name of Jesus, guided by the Holy Spirit. There's things in our lives that don't look like Jesus, all of us. And, and this isn't to just focus on the negative. Thing. If you're not right with God and give $10 and God will multiply, just stop. No games, no pretense. Just how many guys know there's parts of me, there's parts of you, there's parts of us that don't look like Jesus yet? Because Jesus is perfect theology, perfectly holy, perfectly righteous. And we are his bride. It is, it is very appropriate that we align ourselves, guided by the Holy Spirit, founded on his word, offensive sword in our hands ready to cut whatever comes our way that doesn't look like Jesus right even if it's us think of something that you're wrestling with think of something that it's it's been going on for a while maybe a lifetime maybe it's a cognitive dissident moment maybe it's a lie that's been believed from generation to generation maybe it's a habit you don't know where it came from it's some reaction to something you're unaware of it's it's on a subconscious level it's not conscious they don't consciously lust it's just every once in a while, man, I really wrestle with this. I don't consciously covet every once in a while. I can't drive past a garage sale sign because what if I miss out on this really good thing? Or, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, it's just, but identify a behavior that God's putting his finger on right now. And he wants you to change it. Not because he's a killjoy, but because he's a loving father that knows what will harm us and what will bless us. Identify it. Second thing we said, agree with God. This has to go. I, I'm not fighting you on this, God. I Give me the grace and it's gone, right? Agree with God that this has to go because it's standing in the way of something better. Maybe it's health if overeating is your deal. Maybe it's, it's being in shape if apathy and exercise is your deal. Maybe it's a better marriage. Maybe it's, but it's got to go. God has something better for you that's on the other side of the decisions that you're making right now.
Now, with your MPA, your multiple perspective advantage, you get to step outside of that behavior and challenge it. I am dealing with anxiety, but Scripture says, fear not because I'm with you. Be not dismayed because I'm your God. I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with um, overeating. But God says, I will meet all your needs. I, learn, I know what it is to abase and to abound, to have an abundance and to have a lack. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can put down the fork. Maybe it's undereating. I can pick up the fork and hold it inside my body as I give nutrition to the temple of the Holy Spirit, whatever it is you're dealing with, right? You challenge it now with specific promises. And then this is the last part. It's, it's meditate daily. Come back to this thought. This is what we're doing right now. For about 10 minutes to 15 minutes every day for 28 days. Why 28 days? I have no earthly idea. But it seems like the lunar calendar, physiological cycles, it seems like there's something in that, that time frame, but research has shown there's no greater advantage of 38 days than there is 28 days. Research has shown there's no, there, there is a disadvantage of, of 21 days over 28 days. It seems like the, the sweet spot for this has to do with the cycles of the moon or the cycles of our biology. Or the, it, just, it just happens that way. But, but every morning you wake up and say, you know what? I am, I, am, uh, I am challenged by the Holy Spirit and I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to correct the behavior in my life. And the day will be a day without anger. The Lord says that man's anger does not lead to, to righteousness. The, the Bible says that, that the sun cannot go down at the end of the day until I have resolved all the anger issues. I will never again reach for anger as, as the weapon that I fight the world with. I will reach for scripture and truth and I will be a peacemaker known as a son or a daughter of God. That's, it's that kind of thing. We focus on it. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to discipline my body. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to quit turning to my, my master card as if it's my master. I'm, I'm going I'm to start trusting and being content and I'm, I'm going to trust my provider, Jehovah. Jireh is the, the one who provides for me, God who provides for all of my needs and I will be content whether it ends up being a bunch or it ends up being a little. I will not trust in anything, any lesser idol. I will, I will just turn to God and say, if I'm clothed, it's because you clothed me. If I'm fed, it's because you fed me. Whatever that is. Again, anger, lust, fear, anxiety, depression. These things are not from the Lord. And there must be a challenge. When temptation comes, Jesus answered, it is written. He had that sword available because he'd thought about it deeply for a long time. And when Satan said, I tempt you with this, he said, there's no temptation in that. I have what is better than what you're tempting me with. What is better? What is God leading you towards? Again, not, I'm, just, I'm not going to get fat. I'm not going to get fat. That's not the meditation. God has made my body the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I cannot defile it with fleshly pleasures. But it is created and destined for a long, for a healthy, for, for a life of service. I will run this race with perseverance. I'm not going to give it up for a piece of chocolate cake. I'm not going to give it up for a new toy. I'm not going to give it up for debt. I'm not, I am going to run this race. The cargo in me is more precious than the things that the world's trying to add to weigh me down. Understand that. God has a will. God has a plan. God loves you understand that today. Hear me. Are, are you hearing my words? I hope you are. When I picked up my first son from the hospital and drove my wife and, and newborn son home, I drove differently on the way home than I did when I pulled into the hospital. When I pulled into the hospital that day, you're going to see my wife, you my baby. I drove like, you know, by faith and not by sight, right? But when I picked up that precious cargo, I drove like the guy that drives the rest of us crazy. 
if I'd have found a four-foot banner that said, baby, I'm bored, I'd have stuck it on the back of my pickup truck. Because what I was stewarding now had greater value than anything I'd ever known. Your destiny, God's calling on your life, has tremendous value. He's entrusted certain things to you. You're to invest them and not hide them. Satan will come and try to distract, detract, pollute, dilute. We put all these things aside. The sin that so easily entangles may run with perseverance. The race that is set before us. People have said things like, and just look up here and we'll close. <clears throat> People have said things like, well, what, you know, it feels weird doing that. Remember the first time you got on a bike? It felt weird, but you figured it out. Remember the first time you kissed a girl? Need I say more? You figured it out. Why? Because the benefit of kissing the girl was of greater pleasure and joy than not kissing the girl. Don't get me started on your honeymoon. We'll just, we'll just end with the analogy. But things that seem awkward at first, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> Can be pretty okay once we get used to them. That's what I'm trying to say, right? You first started a diet. Remember when the diet was no longer a diet? It's just the way you, you ate? That's a good moment. I remember convincing myself, I'm not a runner. I, I walk when I run. I, you know, I'm running marathons. I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner. And Chuck Kova said, hey, would you stop saying that? You're a runner. Like, well, I, I wear Nikes and sweats, and I might look like it. No, no. Anyone who runs is a runner. you got to shift your mind from I'm not a runner to I am a runner. I, I, I'm not a runner because I run. I run because I'm a runner. I am a runner. How many of you guys know? I haven't ran in five years, but still, some part of me is still a runner. I'm not running from something, but I just I was on the treadmill the other day, and my son, I'm sorry, my grandson hit the buttons. Run, Papa, run. Like, this is fun for him. And I'll be, I was barefoot. I was running on that treadmill. I'm like, you know, this feels pretty good. You know why? Because I'm a runner. It's who I am. It's who God made me to be. Who are you? Who's God made you to be? You'll encounter that from time to time. The biggest transformations I've seen have not come because somebody tried harder, but they have to try. The biggest transformations I've seen is because people responded to the love of God, to the authority of his word, and to the power of the Holy Spirit. You get those, man, you got it. You get those, man, you got it. Father, I pray today as we close our time together, I ask you, Lord, to do what only you can do. Um, there's lots of self-help, and there's lots of manipulating biology and chemistry. There's, there's, there's lots of that, and I, that's not what we want. I don't want to try harder. I want to become who I was created to be. Everything that doesn't look like Jesus needs to go. Everything that looks like Jesus needs to be treasured. And everything that's in process needs to be processed, needs to be developed. So I, I pray that all of us today here, God, we've identified some things. So we can ignore it. Tomorrow morning, wake up, do the exact same routine, get the exact same results, end up right in that same place again. Or we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So maybe this is a message we need to listen to again on the way to work tomorrow. Maybe this is something we need to think about more. Maybe these four steps, if we can't recite them walking out, maybe we need to think about them more and recite them more. We need to identify these things. We need to come in agreement with you and agree that you have something better. We, we need to take our MPA, our multiple perspective advantage, and, and we need to meditate deeply on who you've called us to be and become that very thing. We are heading right now in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Right now. Whatever we're thinking about, that's the direction we're going. The words of our mouth are the result of the meditations of our heart. So let our hearts meditate on your goodness and on your perfect will being done. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Before we leave today, I just want to say this. You say, you know what, Jim? I don't I don't just need a slap in the face, and I don't need a coach, and I don't need a book. I need God, like literally. I, if God helps me, I'll do it. If God doesn't, I'll fail for the 19th time in the same place. 
what we're doing today is we dismiss just in, in 90 seconds. I need God's forgiveness for my past. I need a brand new clean slate. I need God's strength. I need the Holy Spirit to guide me through this process. I need him to speak to me clearly. I'm not putting it all on him because, you know, the, being transformed by the renewing of my mind, that's, that's me taking action. But I, I, I need a partner in this because when I've done it, I've failed. I need a partner in this called the Holy Spirit of God. Respond to his love now. Respond to his power now. Respond to his word now. If that's you today, I'm going to raise my hand. Raise it too if you want. Father, as we raise our hands in this room right now, God, here's my life, everything I am, and everything I'm not. I've got a lot of work to do, and I'm so excited about the partnership. It's a father-son project. It's not a, it's not a slave-master relationship. It's a father-child relationship. Teach me how to walk like you walk. Speak like you speak. Believe how you believe. Trust like you trust. To do what you said I can do. To go where you're sending me without fear, God. That is, that is the cry of my heart. That is the cry of our hearts today, Holy Spirit. We accept. We receive. We bless. We honor the partnership of heaven with earth. Now let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I kept you three and a half minutes over, and I don't feel bad at all. I feel really good about that. I will close with this thought. This Thursday night at 6.30, from inspiration to application, we spent seven minutes doing application. We're going to spend about 60 minutes understanding this process greater. It's transformational. You're invited. It's free. There's food. There's, there's children's ministry. Friends, old and new, gathering on a table, eating good food, good, healthy, carry-out pizza, things like that. I'm dealing with gluttony. Then, then bring Jimmy John's wrapped in lettuce, all right? Because we don't necessarily eat healthy. We just eat. Because food is a celebration until we mourn. Amen. So please come. It's good for you. And put hair on your chest. Put, put a bounce in your step. I'm quoting my old man. Isn't that funny? Stay on your feet all over this room. Until we meet again, God bless you. May the Lord keep you, bless you, make his face shine on you. May he lift up his countenance.